Have you ever noticed that podcasts are a little like sharks? When they stop swimming, they die, and they can both smell blood from a mile away. So in the spirit of keeping swimming, I'd like to introduce you to TOS Plus. Putting my business pants on for a second, TOS Plus is our new premium membership thingamajig. It's the all-access pass to a growing library of exclusive horror, sci-fi, and WTF audio fiction, along with access to the regular TOS weekly stories in higher quality, a week early, and ad-free. Once again, that's exclusive episodes, ad-free, a week early, and higher quality audio. You'll also get access to the brand new TOS Plus Vault, where you can grab our ebooks, comics, and desktop wallpapers and all sorts of stuff. All of this is available today via our Patreon campaign, which includes juicy extras like Discord access, audiobooks, and merch. And if you're an Apple user, you can subscribe directly via the Apple Podcasts app. We're now in our eighth year of the podcast, and we've got so many cool projects on the boil none of which would be possible without the ongoing support of our listeners, specifically our premium subscribers, our super-powered patrons, and the many multi-dimensional voodoo priests air-guitaring to the TOS intro jingle. For more, head over to theotherstories.net forward slash plus. Once again, that's theotherstories.net forward slash plus. Hello, my name is Alex Markley, and I'm inviting you to check out my new podcast. It's a surreal sci-fi comedy series called The Unlikely Adventures of an Improbable Family. It's about a forlorn shell of a man, his egotistical laptop, a cartoon alien fuzzball, and a mysterious woman with telepathic abilities. You can find The Unlikely Adventures on the web at unlikely.show or wherever you find your podcasts. Give it a listen and let me know what you think. And thanks. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> if you're a fan of the other stories, let's take a quick moment to talk about some other fiction podcasts waiting for you around a dark corner biding their time hiding in a bin ready to swallow you whole the night's end podcast created by tos narrator jimmy horrors himself james barnett has a focus on dark fiction and will leave you screaming for the night's end before each story is through that's the night's end miscreation a horror audio drama podcast bringing you scary stories performed by a band of actors in the acast studio in london that's miscreation season one is available right now and tales of what a bizarre fiction podcast for people who like their fiction from the weird side of town the twilight zone meets adult swim 
The Outer Limits, directed by David Lynch. Franz Kafka doing Creepshow. Season 1 and 2 are now available and spilling out of every podcast hole available. Today's episode is The Mothman's Second Escape, written by Jay Askew and narrated by Erica Ventura. The sirens flashed as red as the creature's eyes. The halls went dim. The clinical white walls wore the crimson light every other second. My wife was running to her post in the science labs, several floors under us. She didn't look back at me, not even to check in with the panic that had stricken my face. I pulled my hair into a bun, forcing it out of the way and reached to one of the many cabinets that had become part of the walls in my eyes. I pulled the dark gun, wrapped it around myself. It felt heavy against my breasts, crushing them, making my heart seem louder than the sirens themselves. The Mothman had escaped into the West Virginia woods once more, and I was pretty sure my wife was responsible. It had been over 50 years since it first got out. The world had changed. Tiny camera phones rested in everyone's palms. In 66, it was only witness statements. Now, it was visual confirmation of what we had locked away. The other guards were less hesitant than me. They were robots, following the protocol that had been set down after the last escape. The many drills had remade them, sculpted them into autonomy. The lab, funded by the U.S. government, had recaptured the Mothman in the 60s. Not by force, not by cunning, but for the fact that the Mothman was a female. A female of an alien race that crash-landed in our woods. She had a brood with her. Three younglings that we kept under tight guard. But now, she had no children. No need to come back to her prison. The steel door slid open to the warm Virginian night. Trees loomed immediately outside our secret doors. The sound of leaves rustling replaced the sound of sirens. Thick trunks turned to lush leaves and finally turned to a black blanket with a pinpricked white gold of stars. I wondered if the Mothman looked up to them and wished for home. My hesitation came from her. The one woman I trusted the most, my wife, Emma. She had grown more secretive about her work with the Mothman, barely let me in her inner thoughts. She even shied away when I offered her affectionate work, like I was some problem she had to puzzle out. Our marriage was breaking over this, over her guilt for what we did to the creature, despite us knowing it was the best thing for the world. I knew she wanted out. But once you were in this kind of work, it was hard to ever leave. I told her that once, and she looked at me like a colleague, not her spouse. Now, I could either follow orders, cover up the fact the Mothman had been aided by Emma, or I could let the creature go, like my wife had wanted. Make her happy, fulfilled, at the cost of her being punished for doing so. One choice was to protect her and the world. The other 
was to help her accomplish a goal I never could understand. Jaya, it's not a decision to make, she told me once. We've covered up so much from the public, but this, this is cruelty. At the cost of saving the sensitive people of the world from the real truth? I think she had more faith in humanity than I ever did. When she came out, she was celebrated. When I came out, I was bullied, beaten, all by my own family. The night loomed on my shoulders. The rest of the guards fanned out into the woods, the beams on the end of their dark guns lighting the way. I didn't turn my light on. I wanted my eyes to adjust to the dark woods. The Mothman was sensitive to light. We knew that because we tortured it with high-intensity beams. It struck me as odd that the others would use their light. Maybe they were scared of finding it, wanted to avoid it. As the rustles of the other guards faded in my ears, the creaking of the tree boughs became louder, more sinister. I jerked my head to a movement. It was merely a shadow of a low-lying tree, moving gently in the breeze. Another movement. I turned to the east where the Ohio River wound through the trees a mile or so away. What she had there? Would she try something different this time? keep away from human eyes. I started out in that direction, my feet moving with protocol, my conscious dipping in and out of a turbulent tide. Emma was close to the Mothman, had been studying the creature for nearly a decade. It wasn't until we tied the knot that she started telling me things about the Mothman, things that didn't seem much at first, but grew in my mind. A small red lump that turned into a stinking, pulsing, pus-filled abscess. The more you thought about it, the more you messed with it. Like how there was footage of it seemingly grieving over its dead young, or how it explored mazes in our underground labs with deep intelligence. Despite this, we were told we were doing the world a favor, hiding the creature from them until they were ready. Civilization couldn't handle the truth of the universe. Not yet. I saw Emma's figure in the shadows and flinched, raised the dark gun. It was another tree. Another trick of the mind. I hoped she had been wise enough to turn off the security cameras when she let the creature free. Because even if I caught the Mothman, undid her mistake, someone would need to be held accountable. Leaves crunched under my feet. My mind was a mess of thoughts, of guilt, of fear. Somewhere not far from me, a flock of birds were disturbed from their roost high in the forest. The panicked. The flapping sounded like sudden applause. I gasped, let my dart gun drop. It hit me right on the underwiring of my bra, digging the metal into my ribcage. I took a moment to steady myself. Then I headed for where the birds were disturbed, from the trees that lined the banks of the river. There was no sound behind me, none in front, 
No light from torches. Only a moonless sky and stars spreading faint light through the dense branches of the trees. Soon, the silence was interrupted by the sound of water. I could see a slight opening through the trees where the river flowed. I headed there, watching my footing as the ground grew softer, waterlogged. The trees flourished here, their ancient roots reaching down, tunneling into the damp ground where the river lay, a buffet of nourishment. I heard a slapping sound, like water falling over a rounded pebble. I threw my chin down, saw nothing, then scanned the top of the river. Red eyes were the only thing in the darkness. I exhaled like it would release the fear I had. When I inhaled, the animosity came back stronger than before. I winced, never taking my eyes off the redness of hers. I edged to the ground, sideward slightly, so I could rest my back against the tree, get a clear shot of the creature. For a moment, I thought of the praise I would receive for bringing the creature home. I would shoot it, radio the other guards, and carry it back with them to our grateful general, and be told I protected the world from unease and panic. Then, I thought of Emma, and how disappointed she would be that I had foiled her plans to free the creature. I stared at the red eyes hovering over the river, wondering why Emma wanted to liberate it so badly. It didn't communicate with us, didn't offer us any knowledge. We took from it, studied it without its consent. But how does a creature so far from our understanding of life consent to such things? The red eyes moved. They darted to the far side of the river. I wondered if she knew I was there. I looked over my shoulder to make sure I wasn't about to be disturbed when taking my shot. When I refocused on the red eyes, it was gone. I stood, panicked, and strode to the bank of the river. It had vanished, subtracted from my sight like it was never there. I looked to the edges of the water. In the reflection, red eyes were growing, bigger, closer, enveloping the gentle rises and falls of the river tide. I looked up from the source of the reflection, but the sky no longer had stars, no tops of trees. The Mothman landed on me. Her talon-like hands pressed into my chest as I tumbled backwards, hitting my head on the tree that had provided my cover. I gasped for breath, winded. The creature rattled, like it was drawing air through a narrow opening. A rattle in, a rattle out. She had no neck, just a raised lump where her eyes and mouth were connected to an iridescent black-furred body. Her colors were like the dark feathers of a magpie. As the tiny specks of starlight hit her, she shined a bluish green. How much did she want this? What amount of desperation resided in her now? I struggled against her weight, rotating my gun to point at her. She screeched and opened her wings, 
They blocked out the sky, blocked out the surrounding area. Her wingspan was double the size of her height. Delicate black skin laced between spines that held their structure. Her wings fell down on me, on either side of my head, trapping me. I cried through staggered breaths. She tilted her head in response and drew her clawed hand to my face. She dug her nail into my cheek. I winced. Warm blood trickled down my face like a tear. I couldn't wipe it away. I was frozen. The mothman caught the bead of blood as it made its way across my skin. She played with it in her hands, let it run down her finger. I'm sorry! I'm sorry! It was all I could think of saying. She tilted her head, let a rattle escape her tiny mouth. She raised her claw to the proboscis, slowly unfurling from her mouth, and studied the blood she had collected from me. We didn't want them to die either. Your offspring. I said, pleading with the alien creature. We didn't know how much they needed you to survive. We didn't know. She extended her proboscis and drew my blood into her mouth. It wasn't me. I wasn't there when they died. I wasn't even born yet. My voice trailed off as I realized how pathetic I seemed, but I continued. <laughs> I'm sorry. So sorry. The woman who let you go, she's my wife. She loves me. She wouldn't want this. The mothman lapped the blood from her fingers and returned to my cheek. She gently moved strands of my dark hair from my face and took the remaining blood. Her touch was so gentle, soothing, almost like she was exploring me, learning about me as we had done her. I pleaded some more as she examined the red shine on her claw. Her wings were rising slightly, inch by inch, like she was easing up. I could see faint black lines on her wings. Patterns. Black circles evolved into black stripes, danced with grayish highlights, and the whisper of a few blood vessels that threaded through her skin. Soon, her wings had receded, folded neatly behind her back. Her weight eased up on my chest, freeing my gun. A lump formed in my throat. She was offering me mercy. All the mercy we had never shown her since she fell from the stars in a metal box, incomprehensible to mankind. She was showing a member of humankind how they should treat others. Despite the torment we had inflicted upon her. Despite the incisions, the injections, the tests, the electric shocks, the death of her offspring at our hands. I lifted myself on my elbows. She stepped back, releasing me. 
Her red eyes throbbed in the darkness, her proboscis curling, folding itself up inside her mouth. I saw what Emma saw, her gentleness, her understanding. The Mothman's strange arms rested peacefully at her side. I thought of the world, how we couldn't even stop fighting amongst ourselves, how racism still thrived, how homophobia was a constant fear of mine, how my eyes flickered around a room when Emma and I held hands in public, terrified I would be punched or spat on or shouted at. They weren't ready. They wouldn't be for some time. I raised my gun. She screeched as the dart hit her in the neck. Her cries echoed over and over through the trees, over the gently flowing river, to the stars that were once her home. She crashed to the leaf-littered floor. Her red eyes faded to black. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. The Mothman's Second Escape was written by J.S.Q., narrated by Erica Ventura, edited by Carl Hughes, with music by Daniel Birch and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org and zapsplat.com. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. Science fiction and horror writer J.S.Q. explores mental health, sexual identity and diversity through her fiction. She often shows weaknesses as strengths at the end of the world. She writes space operas, dystopian dramas and weird fiction, all steeped in plot twists and standout characters. As an LGBTQIA plus activist, she aims to use her fiction to make the world a better place for the next generation to come out in. You can follow more of their work at jskuauthor.com. Erica Ventura is a mother narrator, visual artist, and animal husbandry technician. Her artwork can be seen on Instagram at at E-F-V-E-N-T-U, or you can visit her artist page on facebook.com forward slash bioartsy. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help support the show over at patreon.com forward slash hawkandcleaver. You can join our book club, movie club, and writing exercises over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawkandcleaver. T-shirts, mugs, posters, and comic books are available at gumroad.com forward slash hawkandcleaver. You can get help with your short stories and your podcasts by heading to theotherstories.net forward slash services. The Other Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. Until next time. Hello, my name is Alex Markley and I'm inviting you to check out my new podcast. It's a surreal sci-fi comedy series called The Unlikely Adventures of an Improbable Family. It's about a forlorn shell of a man, his egotistical laptop, a cartoon alien fuzzball, and a mysterious woman with telepathic abilities. You can find The Unlikely Adventures on the web at unlikely.show or wherever you find your podcasts. Give it a listen and let me know what you think. And thanks.